Coming up today on Locked On Texas Tech, we get to fear and loathing in Austin. Also, non-conference scheduling with an expanded college football playoff and a defensive back focus for the Red Raiders. Next on Locked On Texas Tech. You are Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're going to start this thing off right. Great to be with you again on Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making us your first listen on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts. He's the only Chris Level. I'm Casey Cowan. Great to be back with you once again, Chris, and getting into something today to kick off the show that has been uh, mildly entertaining, I guess, if nothing else. And that's something that's had Texas Tech fans talk in the last few days after a comment made I guess we'll leave up to the audience to determine somewhat tongue in jest, but how tongue in jest this comment was made by Kirby Hoka. You might have seen it already. This was tweeted out by Chris Hummer, a college football reporter for uh, 24-7 Sports. This is a comment from Texas Tech Athletics Director Kirby Hoka as it relates to the future of a Longhorn Red Raider football, now non-conference series. Uh, asked about any update on that. Kirby says, in part, quote, regarding his counterpart in Austin, Athletics Director Chris Del Conte, he's still scared. Nothing has changed over the course of the year. Balls in their court, singular, interesting. We welcome a chance to play them, end quote. Uh, Chris, this conversation somewhat inhabits a couple of different zones. Like one zone is just fun. Let's make fun of Chris Del Conte in the Longhorn zone, even though we don't believe that a game like this is coming down the pipe anytime soon. Then there's another zone where you do actually wonder, is there a game like this coming down the pipe anytime soon? So take it whichever way <clears throat> you want. And I guess we could just start from your perspective uh, and asking, has there been a change in that conversation over the past year? Because I think I know what it was like when we last left it. D-O-A. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, and you know, and then Crystal Connie, uh, he 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 didn't mention uh, Kirby or Texas Tech or anything like that specifically, but he he responded uh, in a in a media setting, I guess. Uh, you know, after that, uh, in the last day or so, uh, after Kirby had made that comment, because I think that's specifically why Del Connie was asked about this particular subject, and I think Del Connie's comment was. And so it ties into trying to answer your question too. His comment was something to the effect of, "Hey, we've always said, you know, that it depends on our schedule. If we ever have uh, an opening in our schedule, we hope to play all the teams in Texas uh, again and going forward." And I, I don't, I don't buy that. I think that the scheduling part is going to be a, a bit of a, a crutch or a cop out. Um, I think you know I'm, I'm sitting here looking at it from from the standpoint of like Texas Tech schedule. If you're going to have nine conference games, you know, and now you can you can buy yourself out of contracts, you can adjust these things, but you know, it, Texas would have to almost create an opening and so would Texas Tech uh, because you're full with your non if you're going to play non-conference games you're full in 24 25 26 27 28 uh, I mean you don't have openings until 2029 and 2030 
And so that gives you an idea. Um, and, and again, things are going to change a bit. Uh, playoff expansion, maybe the Big 12 looks a little bit different, but I don't think they're ever going to go back to eight conference games and then open up a, a slot every year. You're going to have you're going to have nine. I just I, I think Texas views this as we have nothing to gain here. You know, this this is. You know, and unless the politicians were going to get involved, which I think was the thought early on, and Kirby even said as much uh, at various gatherings, I think uh, I think there was one in Houston in particular. He kind of indicated that, you know, and I knew a tech contingent way back when the, the Big 12 had lost Texas and Oklahoma. There was some – you're starting to squeeze some of these folks saying, hey, you better do something to take care of us, uh, you know, because there's a lot of – you know, voting power uh, out here, uh, depending on who you're who you're talking about or to. And I think that's when th- there was the discussions about, hey, we're going to have a long term agreement where Texas and Texas Tech are going to play for the foreseeable future. But I just don't I don't see it, it it happening. I think there's too many roadblocks. I think there you need two to tango a bit. And I just don't I don't envision that Texas is interested in that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think, uh, unfortunately, I think that when you go there the Friday after Thanksgiving this year, that might be the last time you see them on the gridiron for a while. Well, it'll be a great thing if you don't have to go back to Austin again. You may miss the game, but the uh, trip to Austin, I, I'm sure, um, won't be missed. Um, I mean, hell, they don't even want to play there in their biggest game of the year. They go meet at a carnival in Dallas to play the biggest game of the year. So that should tell you something. I, I don't really know that you can say Kirby's inaccurate, however, because there's truly a fear-based uh, route to this perspective from the University of Texas. They'll say things like, what's the win? It's, it's because they're afraid of the loss, obviously, Yeah. Uh, yeah. whether it's on the field or from a PR standpoint. And at one point in time, I guess we lost some grasp of purely competition uh, being the intention, I suppose. So you do have to think now about what's our PR win? Uh, if you're to get a win or if you're to take an L, which is kind of a sad state of affairs, I suppose, for the consumer, that being the college football fan. And you could really point this uh, conversation at either of the opponents that Texas Tech has lost and do it in a variety of ways, Chris, because you'll look at, say, the series with the Longhorns has not been competitive historically. There were some really bad eras when you started out your program, you know, like started out your school. I think you're like one in 15 to the first 15 or 20 years or something. I mean, there are some really bad stretches has been better within my lifetime, but the series is incredibly lopsided historically. So some might say, well, look at this competitively. Why would you bring it back? And that's one approach to it, but a different variety as far as a way to uh, angle this conversation when you're talking Aggies is an ultra competitive series. Well, why wouldn't you bring that back again? What's the win? Well, the win is the win. You score more points, you get a win. I know in the case of the Aggies in this series, it didn't happen all that often, so kind of an unfamiliar thought as to how do we win these? <laughs> uh, the scoreboard still traditionally where you'll find out if you've won uh, or lost. But, Chris, I do feel like at the end of the day, there's got to be uh, some fear there uh, from both of those because otherwise, you know, what what's the pitfall? And it's not any of our faults uh, that we're talking about uh, blue bloods as far as brand or financial resource or things like that. And, you know, sometimes one way or another, you find yourself in a seat when you're in that position of privilege, Chris, uh, to where maybe some others are getting more out of it if they get a win as compared to you getting a win in that situation. Cowan, but whose fault see- is that? 
Did you see the comment made by the, I think it was the Big 12 Deputy Commissioner, and he kind of took a shot at the old Longhorns? Did you see this? Uh, no, I didn't. Big 12 Media Days? Okay. So this this made some news. Uh, it ruffled some feathers a bit, uh, but it was the Deputy Commissioner for the Big 12. And I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he was doing a media interview, and he was talking about Oklahoma and Texas leaving. And he made the comment uh, specifically about Texas. You know, I he's he – the gist of it was this isn't really about money. Yes, we know that at some level it is, but this is about they'd rather lose to Florida and Alabama and Georgia because they don't want to stomach losing to Iowa State or Kansas or or whoever. And it's kind of a perception, <laughs> you know, thing. Yeah. And that's kind of the same conversation we're having now. And, and I, I, I think um, I'm just thinking of the thought of those Longhorn fans in the parking lot. We just got thrashed by Mississippi State, and boy, this sure feels better, doesn't it, guys? See, and that's <laughs> that's my point. I, I think that you, I, I think there's some truth to to what the, you know the comment that was made there. In yeah. that, you, okay, we feel like there's more same as as us in the SEC than there is in the Big 12, more more brands or whatever. I just think, though, that people are, are a bit disillusioned in that there's a lot of, I don't know, uh, I guess schools that are not considered that in, in the SEC. I mean, sure. you know, the, the Vanderbilts, the Mississippi States, uh, South Carolina. I mean, I, I just, you know, I, I just don't envision that, you know, you're not playing like the Florida, Georgia, or LSU every single week. You know, I mean, it, it's amazing. Like, we, we see this collection of schools, and then some of those schools don't even play each other, but every four or eight years, which is absurd yeah. uh, to me. So, uh, that, that you know, and I, I, I thought it was interesting because Oklahoma was complaining about their, their home schedule for, for next year and uh, once the SEC schedule was released. And anyway. anyway, so I, I, I don't know. If Do you want it back, get, Chris? Want, Personally, want, this game or an yeah, Aggie game I, as a I, fan, I, I do. I think it would be. I think it would be good for the state. It would be good for certainly for Texas Tech. Uh, I, I'm I'm guessing that Texas is going to say, "Well, it's not good for us." So I, I don't know what yeah. all the details there would be. Uh, home and home, and and this and that. I just, uh, yeah, I, I just don't envision it. Everybody being back on the same page, unless somebody forces it and and can force it like politically. Uh, that that uh, I'm afraid is is uh, going to be the last one this year. So you're telling me I got to run for office? That's what I'm hearing. I've got to be <laughs> the one to run the flagpole up to the top yeah. and make this sucker happen. Let me spin this off into a second conversation because I feel like we're in a, a similar kind of vein here, talking about these schedules and as it relates to these teams we're talking about. Now, of course, this would be uh, an out of conference setting if if there was any setting at all. I wanted to play a little true or false here with you. Uh, on this Tuesday, Chris, as it relates to an expanded college football playoff and future non-conference scheduling. I, I've had this dream that someday we'll get rid of these aspects of the college football regular season that are the worst in all of college sports. They'll try to take, we got the best regular season in all of college. Well, don't look at the Nichols State weekend. Don't look at that one. We're not talking about that weekend. <laughs> I've dreamed for a long time that we get rid of FCS matchups. And maybe even I, Kent Hans told me not to dream any little dreams, so I'm dreaming a big one. Get rid of the group of five matchups uh, as well. But I understand there are many bridges to cross to get there. But I thought, Chris, expanded college football playoff will lessen the non-conference fear 
uh, for every team in the country, and they'll be willing to challenge themselves more, and that will result in better games uh, for us college football fans to consume. I think there's still reason to believe that that could be true, but I wonder if maybe it's not going to be the same answer for every conference, like I thought it once could be, say, I don't know, the SEC or the Big 12. So here's my true or false. An expanded college football playoff will lead to stronger, more entertaining non-conference schedules. You think I'm true? You think I'm false? What do you think? First, today's episode brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book and the official sports book of Locked On. And there's never been a better time to get in and get busy than right now because you could be getting 10 times your first bet amount back in bonus bets up to 200 bucks win or lose you heard that right you bet 20 bucks you're landing 200 back in bonus bets win or lose so head on over to fanduel.com slash locked on or download the fanduel app safe secure and easy to use and get started today and if you're a winner you're getting paid instantly every time with FanDuel, just one reason why it's the best place to bet and one reason why it's America's number one sports book. So head on over right now to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. And get started today with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Here's my true or false. An expanded college football playoff will lead to stronger, more entertaining non-conference schedules. You think I'm true? You think I'm false? What do you think? It's different for for different leagues, I think. Uh, I think that, in in a way, this is true and it's false. Because, (laughs) you know, and that's the tricky part about uh, it's a loaded question. Because I think if you're in the Big 12, you you may still, you know, do your, your... be a bit stronger with your non-conference scheduling if you can find uh, w- willing, you know, uh, participants uh, in, in that, and and have the the Power Five in the non-conference, i.e., Oregon coming to to Lubbock and you going to Oregon next year. Uh, whereas the SEC may say, you know, we're, we're going to get so much credit for our, which is it's it's really a, f- a false narrative. Yeah, one less conference game and some of their some of those conference schedules, depending on how it lines up, are not very strong at all. Um, and, and they, you know, they schedule a bye week in November and all that, but they may, they may ease back on it a bit uh, mm. and, and, and say, you know, we've got a better chance now to get, you know, a, a team into the playoff. And so let's not, let's not push ourselves here. Let's not chance it. Like, why, why would we want to go screw it up? Whereas I think if you're in the Big 12, you probably need to, earn the right to get in, uh, you know, and and we'll see how this is adjusted and how it's selected. And, you know, the SEC is, is on a one-year deal with just playing the the eight conference games. They could in fact, uh, you know, get it to nine. That that's the part that bothers me is that see you're, you're, you're talking about criteria in a playoff and yet every conference is not operating the same. Oh yeah. You would, you would like to see the college football playoffs say, Here's what we we you know require every power five league or whatever. This is what you must do, and then it's up to everybody else to kind of go. Okay, what do I do with these other opportunities? Do I take the foot off the gas? Do I put the foot on it? Uh, but I mean, Cowan, like for example, the the Red Raiders, and, and this is what we were just looking at. Um, 
you've got a home and home with Oregon coming up in, in 25 and 26, you've got a home and home with Oregon state coming up and a home and home with Colorado state. Uh, you've got at 27 and 28, you're playing NC state. You're playing at Mississippi state. Uh, you've got a home and home coming up with Arkansas coming up and Fresno state. I mean, so yeah, it's not just daunting, but it's also not easy. And I don't know whether you'll look to, to go all in there. But again, it, it's going to be groupthink in many ways because you can want to play as tough a schedule as you want, but you also want to get teams to come to your place too. And it just takes, you, you need some willing participants. And then what is everybody thinking on what needs to be done? Because I think most conferences right now roll with their conference schedule and then you have a semi one tough non-conference game and then the regional game. And, and, you know, some may differ a little bit there, but you know, that's the, that's the gist, but you're right, man, we're, we're in, in new times and it's changing, but to answer your question, it's true and it's false. Sorry. I don't mean to cop out. <laughs> I think for Texas tech. No, that means it's a brilliant question by the guy. that I posed agree. It. I, I totally agree. <laughs> I think for Texas tech, it means you'll continue to keep your, your schedule a bit, a bit stronger. Non-conference ones. Mm. That's really interesting that that two blue bloods removed from the equation could render your additional conference game, along with a conference championship game, um, insufficient. All of a sudden, you're. I mean, we're back in this damn data points conversation, which I yeah. freaking and hate. it's perception and data and you know the, the targets are always moving. Hey, well, you don't have enough data points. Why don't you uh, add a conference championship game? Okay. Oh, by the way, we're changing the playoff. And so the data points are different now, like two years like, later. Like, I mean, think it's about just it. so frustrating. Like, like I, I would think that an 11-1 and Big 12 team would, would almost assuredly be in, in, the, in the playoff. Okay? You know, uh, like an expanded one. Yeah. But you, which, what, I guess my point is what you're going to see – is you'll you'll end up seeing like a nine and three team or two from the SEC make it to this deal too over a I, ten and two yeah y- yeah and I don't know if like a nine and three Big Twelve team could make it I guess uh, now and, and there may be a perfect storm or the way it lays out but I, th- I think that I'm just making that blanket statement that's what I'm that's what I'm envisioning unfortunately um, not that I agree with it I just am trying to be uh you know realistic with this deal so that's why kind of why i answered the question the way i did i think for good reason uh only time will tell but maybe something at least i didn't quite anticipate as far as the impact of a non-conference schedule and how you put it together the answer is going to vary uh from conference to conference which means it's the same as it's always been i guess as far as college football the answers vary from league to league so uh nothing new that we got to get used to we already know how to settle this bad boy up and ride her all the way to the finish line Okay, speaking of finish line, just around the corner. But first, we're getting back to the 806. Let's talk Texas Tech football and this bag of defensive backs <laughs> that the Red Raiders have been putting together. It has truly been a focus, and we'll get to why and some of the impact coming up down the road for Tech next Locked On Texas Tech. Glad to have you along for the ride on Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube if you haven't so far so you never miss an episode. With Chris, I'm Casey, wrapping up today's show, talking Red Raider football and recapping what has been a busy scene here recently, Chris, not only 
from a recruiting trail standpoint, but specifically within your defensive secondary. And I think if you've paid just mild attention, I guess, this offseason, you understand it's been a really interesting group as you head into 2023 and made even more so interesting by the addition of Braylon Lux and, and A.J. McCarty, uh, who we will see make an impact or when we'll see make an impact. We're not quite sure at this point in time, but I think you mentioned a couple of weeks ago you could have your future, future starting cornerbacks uh, on campus right now. But uh, filling up, replenishing, and reloading is the name of the game. And I know that it'll be some time, Chris, before we get to know really some of these guys that we've seen come across the wire as far as defensive back commitments. But uh, I wanted to get with you on some of the, the bigger picture, I guess, impact and why we've seen, you know, this concentration here recently is, uh, man, they have been rolling in as far as secondary help is concerned. Yeah, because, you know, when we first uh, talked about discussing this on, on the show because uh, I mean six DBs is I think people go you know you do a bit of a double take it's a big number and it, it's it's gonna end up I mean right now it's a technically a third of your recruiting class on paper you've got what 18 commitments I think give or take and I mean you know that that's a third of it right there about 33 percent and so you know, you know, there was also a list that came because this is going to answer the question a bit. Uh, there was a list that came out yesterday from the Shrine Bowl that kind of has like this 1,000 player watch list with the Shrine Bowl of like all star game eligibility. And like these are these are upper tier potential draft pick type unsigned free agent type guys that, you know, are going to get all star game, you know, possibilities. And there was 18 Red Raiders on this list. And four of those guys were DBs. So you, you, you just have to understand, you, you, you've got a big number graduating here. I mean, you know, you talk about Malik Dunlap and Rayshad Williams, Tyler Owens, and then uh, Rabbit, Dadrian Taylor-Demerson. Those guys are all playing their last year. And so this is roster management. You know, you've got to uh, recruit, uh, you, you know, to, to, to replenish – but I think it also, like with the six signees or, or the six commitments, I should say, that you've got right now, what I think is fascinating is is that three of those guys are six foot three. Uh, I think one of them is six foot two, and the shortest of those uh, of that six DB group is six foot one. This is different than back in the day whenever you know I, I started doing this, and you got the five foot nine and five foot ten corners. Um, you know, and and the, the the length here and the versatility here is really what what sticks out because some of these guys, I mean, right now you've got three of the guys that are coming in from a recruiting standpoint that are going to be projected as a corner. Three of them as a safety. It's Collins, Hampton, and Miles would be slated as corner, and then Morgan Escara and then Myers would be safeties. But there's a lot of versatility there. But college football has also changed, Callen. I mean, because. You're employing five DBs every play on defense, sometimes six, and this is one of the bigger position groups on your on your entire team now, uh, because yeah. these are the guys that are playing a lot of defense. These are also guys that also play a lot of special teams. You know, your linebacker and defensive back group really fills a ton in with various special teams units, uh, but. Uh, and, and, you know, we knew about the three early enrollees uh, from the freshmen that were here that, that rocked it during spring football this year. And so, remember, we, cause we kept talking about that. There's all these seniors, mm -hmm. and then it just 
that's why you you mentioned Lux and McCarty as being so big because they can kind of fill in some of that upperclassmen that aren't going to leave, but they've got a few years, but then because it's all these these freshmen or, or would-be newcomers. Yeah, the measurables are, are certainly something you can't ignore. With all due respect to my guy, Bruce Jones, who once <laughs> upon – you're, you're talking 5'10 and whatnot, and I'm thinking – Hey, like Marcus Button. Um, I mean, Bruce, there, there was several yeah. of them. Yeah, good Scrappy players. Dudes, right? Yeah, yeah, Bruce Jones was a bad boy. Yes. yes. Shout out to Riverside. But uh, I think you'd love to have some of those measurables uh, if you could. Well, I'm wondering, Chris, is this um, – is there a, you know, a, a sigh of relief uh, after you kind of bagged some of these guys? Was it just coincidental they all saw, started rolling in at that position Well, together, or is it just timing? Or That's why. Okay, so here's how this works. Typically, when, when you're recruiting, you know, you, you, you kind of have – in mind, hey, we need this many at this position. And you start offering guys. And so let, let's, okay, you've got six DBs. Okay, so let's say, for example, you offered 25 of them. That may be, you may have not offered that many, but just as an example. Yeah. But you tell those guys, hey, we're only taking so many. And once we fill up, you know, like we, we can't, that that offer is no longer good. And so what what happens here is that, as you start to communicate, hey, we still love to have you, but we just have like the one or two spots left, and that can be a game in in within some program. Oh yeah, of course. I think Joey is, is and his staff are very transparent, and we'll talk about that as the as the week goes along about how upfront they are with with people and what they do. But that can be a game and and a bluff and a you know, squeeze them type deal on, on trying to get them to make a decision and all those things, uh, you know, but I think that's typically kind of how that goes. So what, what I, I think you see a run on it a little bit is that you start to see some of these spots fill up. And I think guys have like, okay, I've always liked tech. Uh, they were my favorite. I was wanting to wait a little bit longer, but I don't want to not have an opportunity to go there. And so they start, making these decisions and then you see a run on it. This is what happens like in it, the quarterback recruiting happens the same way. Like typically the top quarterbacks in the state, once the first one drops and like one of these big schools has their quarterback, you start to see it, it start to snowball a bit because each school typically only takes one of those. Yeah. So, you know, you start to see that, and that's that's just uh, – but it, it's funny kind of, kind of watch these runs, kind of like, you know, when whenever the draft is right. going on and everybody starts picking offensive linemen, like, well, I better jump on and get it or I'm not going to get one. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so do you call the, the mission accomplished here as far as that class in the secondary? Still some spots, or what do you think? I, I, think, uh, I think you're mostly full there, yes. I think okay. you've got a number. I think that there's not many spots left in this class. Obviously, you're not going to – you're not going to call up and squeeze Micah Hudson. You're going to say, hey, man, take as long as you need. Uh, th- there's an offensive line component that if there's the right person that says yes, I think they would have loved to have had Cameron Poe. He ended up choosing oh, yeah. to go to Alabama. Uh, but there, there's a few, you know, and, and then and then you kind of, you know, you maybe save one for best player available kind of thing. I think you'd still – look, until you get Micah Hudson, you still definitely want whiteout help. Um and I, I wouldn't even say that even when Micah Hudson, if he were to, you know, commit to you, uh, and I think you're in great shape there, I wouldn't rule out a second, you know, uh, wide receiver 
commitment. Mm. But I think you're going to get into the 21-22 range before it's all said and done. But Because I think originally when you started this deal out, you were kind of thinking, we only maybe have 17-18. I just know this. If I was on that team, I, I wouldn't give anybody any reasons to – to be frustrated with me or I would miss class. I would yeah. practice really hard because it gets more competitive and you're getting, you're getting recruited over. Uh, and so if you're going to get squeezed if you're not, you know, or, or they're just going to go, Hey man, right. you just can't play here. Like we just, it's not working out here or, you know, we just don't think you're good enough to, to play. If you really want to go play, you need to do it elsewhere. Cause we don't see yeah. the, the snaps for you here. Uh, and if you are uh, looking for a new uh, debilitating addiction or anything like that to pass time in the summer, uh, you can follow along with the recruiting there at redraidersports.com. 18 uh, commitments I think I see in that class. Um, it's a wild and woolly world if you want to dive into the recruiting trail. Beat, if you haven't before, check it out. Uh, Chris, enjoyed it as always, man. And uh, we'll be back on the other side. Uh, coming up tomorrow, we will – uh, get into what Chris alluded to there. Fending off suitors for your roster. We'll get some thoughts from Joey McGuire and uh, Jeff Trailer also making some noise regarding that topic. We'll get to that on tomorrow's show. Looking forward to it, Chris. Absolutely, man. Keep hope alive. Uh, I bet we can also talk some TBT uh, tomorrow as well because that uh, the right. Air Raiders are tipping it up uh on wednesday night at the usa should be fun yeah can't wait to be out there uh seeing some favorites uh from years gone by back in red and black at united supermarkets arena we'll get to that and more coming up tomorrow hope you'll join us then once again for chris i'm casey on locked on texas tech